Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple S Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Smith. Uh, we're back again today with yet another episode. Uh, yesterday, we dropped our 2021 NFL Mock Draft Round 1 with Trades episode. So if you missed that one, go on ahead and check that one out. But today, we're back with what would usually be you know, a weekly recap in the world of sports. But uh, we're going to switch it up a little bit. There wasn't too much going on last week. There wasn't anything going on last week in the NFL other than uh, some Pro Bowl festivities. Uh, we've talked about everything up to date in the NFL. Uh, we talked about some upcoming UFCs. So today we're pretty much going to have a shorter episode, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes, talking about the UFC fight card tonight, which is Overeem versus Volkov. And then we're going to get in-depth a little bit and talk about the Super Bowl, which goes down tomorrow. And I'm super excited for that one. We got the GOAT Tom Brady going against the baby GOAT in Patrick Mahomes. So let's get right into it. So like we said before, uh, tonight we have UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Volkov. And it is a very good card. I'm excited for it. Uh, the preliminary card starts at 5 and the main card starts at 8. Now, I'm going to be honest, I'm taking a look right now as we speak at the prelims, and the only name that jumps out to me as a name that I recognize is Jocelyn Edwards. Uh, She recently, I believe it was January 16th, let me just make sure, yeah, January 16th, she had her UFC debut uh, versus Yanan Wu, and she got a win by decision in that fight. It was a good fight. I watched that one. Pretty quick turnaround for her going from fighting January 16th to now fighting February 6th. But, I mean, I guess she got that taste of the UFC and wants to turn it around real quick and get another fight in right away. And you can't blame her for that. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that one on the prelims. And another thing about prelims of cards is a lot of people tend to skip over them and they'll just tune in for the main card. But as someone who's just starting to get into the sport of UFC, whenever I can, uh, or I should say the sport of MMA... And UFC promotions fights. Uh, whenever I can, I try and tune into the prelims as well because you know guys don't usually, unless you're like Michael Chandler and you come from another organization that's pretty big and you made a name over there. You don't usually start off just straight away on the main cards. So it's kind of cool to see guys and women as well that um, you know they get their their humble beginnings on the prelims. They start getting some wins and stacking some wins. And then all of a sudden you start seeing them on main cards and then maybe one day they're a champion and you could look back and say, wow, I remember watching this person on the prelims. So I do see value in watching the prelim fights, even though even on this card, I only recognize really one name, but still looking forward to the prelims that start at 5 p.m. Now we're going to move over and talk about the main card. There's a few fights I want to talk about real quick. So... The first fight that I want to talk about is Benil Dariush versus Carlos Diego Ferreira. Now, I'm sure 99% of people who watch any MMA and have probably seen this meme. It's the meme of, or like the video clip or whatever you want to call it, of Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier losing it. Just absolutely losing it while they're commentating for a fight. Uh, DC is leaning over, holding his head on Joe Rogan's lap pretty much, and Joe is going crazy screaming as well. That was actually for a Benil Dariush fight. Um, I can't remember exactly who he was fighting, but he was losing the fight. Uh, It was coming up to the end. He was kind of on the ropes, and he came back swinging, ended up clipping his opponent a couple times and knocking him out. So 
Uh, looking forward to seeing Benil Dariush. I think this will be the first time that I actually watch a, a fight of his live. Uh, I've heard about him in the past, but uh, I, have, I don't think I've ever watched a, a fight of his live. So this will be interesting to see how he does. And his opponent, Carlos Diego Ferreira, he's not currently ranked in the lightweight division. Benil Dariush is ranked 13th. So um, this is a big fight for both guys to try and make a name for themselves in that lightweight division, which is uh, it's going to be looking very, very different now that Khabib Nurmagomedov, I don't think he's going to come back. Uh, just quickly to touch on that, I think he would have came back had Conor McGregor beat Dustin Poirier. That would have definitely been the fight to make. Uh, uh, Khabib comes out of retirement to fight Conor for the belt. Uh, Conor versus Khabib too, that would have been crazy, but wasn't to be. So the lightweight division, more or less open right now. These guys are going to be looking to make a name for themselves. So the next fight I want to talk about is another lightweight fight. It's Michael Johnson going up against Clay Guida. Uh, this fight I like because either way, you're going to have a streak broken. Both guys are kind of on losing skids. Michael Johnson is on a three-fight losing streak since uh, 2019 in October. Actually, March of 2019, excuse me. And then if you look at Clay Guida, he's only won one fight since uh, June of 2018. So both guys are kind of on down spells. So it's going to be interesting to see which guy is able to make adjustments from their past fights and which guy is able to capitalize on the other's uh, down spell and comes out victorious in this one. Moving along now to the co-main event. This one is going to be a really good fight. We have Corey Sanhagen going up against Frankie Edgar at Bantamweight. And in this one, Corey Sanhagen is number two ranked Bantamweight right now. Uh, a lot of people would make the case that he's actually should be number one. But, you know, because he lost to Aljamain Sterling, uh, who is ranked number one, it kind of makes sense to me. And then Frankie Edgar is the fourth ranked uh, Bantamweight contender. So this one for me is probably the guy that's going to get the next title shot. So Aljamain Sterling is set to fight Piotr Jan on the big fight card UFC 259 where there's three title fights. They are going to be the first of three. So that's going to be on March 6th, Piotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. And I think the winner of that fight, unless it's really close and especially if Aljamain Sterling wins, I think Piotr Jan will get a chance to have a immediate rematch unless it's a total domination, which I don't see happening. But um, Or if Piotr Jan wins and it's close, they may give Aljamain Sterling another go at it. But if either guy wins decisively to the point where they're not going to have a immediate rematch, I think the winner of Sanhagen versus Edgar will get the next title shot. Uh, I like Cody Sanhagen for my money in this one. He looked really, really good in his last fight against, it was uh, Marlon Marais, I believe. Marlon Marais looked good, but Cody Sanhagen just seemed to make all the correct adjustments when he needed to make them. And uh, ended up knocking out uh, Marlon Marais with a head kick in the second round, which was crazy. Uh, Frankie Edgar, you know, he's getting up there in age. He's 39. Sanhagen's only 28. Uh, some people would say Frankie Edgar's kind of past his prime. He's definitely uh, a seasoned vet and has had some great fights in his career. But, um, you know, in his last three fights, he's 1-2. He lost to the Korean Zombie. He lost to Max Holloway. But he's, he beat Pedro Munoz by decision. So Frankie Edgar, not too sure how he'll do in this one. I think this is going to be a Corey Sanhagen show. And I'm excited to watch him fight in this one. And uh, set himself up really, really good in that Bantamweight division. And now for the main event of the evening. This one is a huge fight. We have Alistair Overeem, the 5th ranked heavyweight. 
when I said huge, I meant literally huge. These guys are heavyweights. Uh, so we have Alistair Overeem going up against Alexander Volkov. Alexander Volkov is the sixth-ranked heavyweight contender. Overeem is the fifth-ranked heavyweight contender. And the cool thing about the heavyweight division right now is that between now and I believe it is, let me see here, I believe it's March 27th. Let me see here. Yeah, March 27th, which is UFC 260. The top eight heavyweights are all fighting between each other. So as I just said, you know, March 27th is UFC 260, where we'll have the champion Stipe Miocic taking on number one contender Francis Ngannou. Um, the other fight, so we have on tonight's fight, five versus six, Volkov versus Overeem. Uh, Overeem being five, Volkov being six. Um, the other fights in the heavyweight division in the top eight is Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis on February 20th. Curtis Blades is currently number two ranked, and Derek Lewis is currently number four ranked. And then Jarzinho Rosenstrike, the third ranked heavyweight contender, fights the seventh ranked heavyweight contender, Cyril Gagne, on February 27th on uh, Fight Night Rosenstrike versus Gagne. So the top eight guys are all going to be active within the next month and a half. So it's super exciting to see how everything's going to unfold. And depending on who wins these matchups, it's going to set up another batch of matchups. Uh, all guys that are vying for the title. You know, that top seven, I can see maybe maybe not Gagne. Well, actually, Gagne's look pretty good recently. Maybe not Volkov, I'll say. And I don't know about the Ream either. But you never know, right? In fighting, anything can go any which way, especially with heavyweights. It just takes one clean shot to put a guy out, especially when you're dealing with guys like Nganu and Rosenstrike. Derek Lewis can bang as well. So it's going to be exciting to see how this one goes. For my money in this main event, uh, I do like Alistair Overeem, but I think I'm going to go with Volkov in this one. I think he's just going to be way too good at using his range. Uh, his reach is, actually, if you look at the reach, it's the exact same as uh, Alistair Overeem, but in terms of height, Overeem, or sorry, Volkov does have the advantage. He's also younger by eight years, so I'm going to go with Volkov in this fight, but super excited to see how it unfolds. All right, so we've talked about tonight's UFC event. Uh, it's going to be super exciting to see. And speaking of super exciting to see, and speaking of super, let's talk about the Super Bowl real quick, which is going down tomorrow, uh, Sunday, February 7th. Uh, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, who are going to be the away team, both technically and literally, versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who will be the home team in every sense of the word. So just in case anyone doesn't know, because I only learned this a couple days ago, uh, the Super Bowl, I used to think that the higher seed was simply assigned the um, the home team. And if they were both one seeds or both two seeds, both three seeds, etc., then I didn't know how they determined it. I thought yeah, maybe whoever, they flip a coin or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter because it's usually at a neutral site. It's not usually at a, well, it's not ever until this year at a team's home stadium. But I actually learned, and I want to share this with you guys, the way it works, it's really simple. They just alternate every year. Uh, so last year, it was AFC as the home team. This year, it's NFC as the home team. Next year, again, it'll be the AFC as the home team uh, in the game. The only reason that really makes any difference is the away team gets to select the coin flip. So technically, you actually would really want to be the away team 
the only downside to being the away team is you get second crack at jersey selection. So if you had a jersey you really wanted to wear and it's similar to the jersey that the home team chooses to wear, you have to go with your other jerseys. So now let's get into the actual nitty gritty of the game. This one is super, super exciting, ladies and gentlemen. This could be one of the last few times we see Tom Brady, who is, in my opinion, you know, for every dollar it's worth, he's the GOAT greatest of all time we've seen in the sport of football against what could be the future GOAT and what a lot of people are calling Patrick Mahomes to be the baby GOAT. Uh, These are two of the best quarterbacks. One is the best quarterback we've ever seen. And one is probably one of the most talented quarterbacks and best arms we've ever seen in Patrick Mahomes. So to see these guys duel it out is going to be awesome. They did play in the regular season and the game ended in a close one. I believe it was 27-24 for the Chiefs. So these teams have played this year, but it's going to be a completely different ball game. You know, having played in the regular season versus the playoffs, uh, it's a lot, lot different. But just for the sake of getting into it if we take a look and look at the the time when these two teams played in the regular season the big storyline of that game was Tyreek Hill going off for 13 catches 269 yards and three touchdowns Uh, he actually had over 200 yards in the first half so he absolutely shredded shredded the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense and I do want to give a little bit of uh, a little bit of a hard time to a corner on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by the name of Carlton Davis. So in the NFC uh, divisional game versus the um, New Orleans Saints, Carlton Davis was matched up with Michael Thomas, who is considered to be you know maybe a top ten-ish uh, wide receiver in the NFL. He definitely had a really bad year this year, but I think he is. Uh, still a good receiver. You know, he dealt with a lot of injuries this year, played through some and missed a lot of time. But he kept Michael Thomas, who was hurt, to zero catches on a few targets. He had a good game. I'll give him that. He had a good game against the Saints, but he was doing it against an injured guy. What rubbed me the wrong way is that post-game, he called himself a graveyard for wide receivers. They asked him if he was an island, I believe, was the question. He said, no, I'm not even an island. I'm a graveyard for wide receivers. Uh, for wide receiver ones when they come my way. So keep in mind, this happened in the playoffs in the divisional round. Now I want to rewind to week 12 when this game happened, the Chiefs versus the Buccaneers. And Tyreek Hill, who is a wide receiver one, had 13 catches for 269 and three touchdowns, most of which was on Carlton Davis. So Carlton, before you call yourself a graveyard again, go look at the tape from week 12. Uh, and humble yourself a little bit because you're not a graveyard if you're allowing 200 plus and three touchdowns to Tyreek Hill. In terms of other storylines around the Super Bowl, uh, there was a little bit of a scare with the Kansas City Chiefs. They had a barber come in to do haircuts for the players and some coaches and personnel. And I believe that during a haircut, he was cutting the uh, the center for the Chiefs, Daniel Kilgore. He was cutting his hair and... Um, They had tested the barber beforehand, but I guess it takes a little while for the test results to come in. And then the test results only came in during the time where he was actually cutting someone's hair. And at that point, they figured out that he was positive for COVID-19. They rushed in. They had to stop the haircut midway through. And uh, I'm not I haven't checked to see if anyone has been negatively affected and tested positive. I don't believe they have because I think that would have been big news by now. 
Um, but it was a close call. And uh, if you guys have a chance, search up on Google Daniel Kilgore new profile pic. It'll probably show up. Uh, he posts it on his Instagram and I believe his Twitter. A uh, It's not his actual hair. It's not the actual haircut. But uh, when it was announced that he was the one who was having his hair done when they had to yank the barber, he posted a picture where half of his head is bald and half of his hair, uh, half of his head still has hair. And he said, uh, new cut who or new profile pic, something like that. So I thought that was pretty funny, you know, playing into the joke. All right. So now what I want to do is take a look at these teams, come up with a logical prediction, you know, kind of explain myself. And I also want to predict who I think will be the Super Bowl MVP. So in terms of the team that I believe will win the game, I'm going to go ahead and pick the underdogs, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Vegas has the odds set to, I believe it is minus three for the Chiefs. So a three point favorite in this game. But one thing that I'll say, and I think this is honestly, this is my 1A or 1B for biggest factor. Whenever Tom Brady is an underdog, he was an underdog against the Saints. He was an underdog against the Packers. He's been an underdog a few times in his career in the playoffs. Whenever he's an underdog, he seems to shine bright when when he is counted out. And a few of my friends who are Patriots fans have alluded to this. And you go back and you think about it, and it's it's more or less true. So I think that the fact that Tom Brady is being kind of counted out, all oh, like Patrick Mahomes is so good, the Chiefs are so good, they're going to go back to back, they're going to win. Everybody said that Aaron Rodgers would beat them. Everyone said that the Packers would get to the Super Bowl and play Patrick Mahomes. Everybody also thought that the Saints, who beat the Buccaneers twice in the regular season, by the way, uh, would beat them a third time in advance to the conference championship. Both All those people were wrong. So I think that some people are going to be proven wrong again. Tom Brady is going to add to his legacy. This is going to be his 10th Super Bowl appearance. He has six rings already. I think he's going to add another one and get to his seventh. And in terms of my 1B or 1A, whichever one you want to label which, for another reason I think that's going to happen. So reason 1A will say is Brady being great when he is counted out. Reason 1B it sounds really corny, and a lot of people say this, but I think it's the truth. Defense wins championships. If you look at these two teams, the superior defense is without question Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their linebacking core, listen to this linebacking core, they're four linebackers. So in the middle, you have Devin White, who is a stud linebacker out of LSU, and not to mention you have Levante David beside him. Both guys are captains. Both guys are super fast, super athletic. They can tackle. They can cover. You have two really good middle linebackers in the center of your defense manning the defense. And then on the outside, since they play a 3-4, they're two outside linebacker, pass rushing type linebackers. Jason Pierre-Paul, who he's getting up there in age, but he has had a good season. And then on the other side, you have Shaquille Barrett, who led the league in sacks last year, uh, had a productive year this year as well. So you have four very, very good linebackers, probably one of the best, if not the best linebacking core in the NFL, especially when you look at three, four defenses. Then you look up front, you have Ndamukong Sue, who has had a good year this year, good run stuffer. So the front, the front is very, very good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the back end, you do have Carlton Davis, who I just shit on a little bit for getting dusted by Tyreek Hill. 
So that'll be the, the, the X factor for me is how the secondary can respond. They do have Antoine Winfield, who is a very good young safety. I believe that he can be a difference maker for that team in the back end. And they also have Sean Murphy's bunting, who has had an interception in every game in the postseason this season, which is very, very impressive. So I think when you look at this defense top to bottom, you factor in the fact that they've had one game against Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs to kind of see how they operate. You know, they got burned by them once. Well, they got burned by them one game. They got burned by them more than once. Uh, Tyreek Hill destroyed them. I think they're going to come out. Todd Bowles is going to have a good game plan to contain Tyreek Hill. Maybe he has Sean Murphy Bunting follow him around instead of Carlton Davis. And then maybe you keep Antoine Winfield always keeping an eye on him. Uh, and just so you guys know, I'm not by any means saying that uh, Tampa Bay's defense is going to shut out Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City offense. That's never going to happen. And even if you take Tyreek Hill somewhat out of the game, you still got to deal with Travis Kelsey. You still got to deal with McCool Hardman, who's another speedster, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Le'Veon Bell, and Patrick Mahomes getting these guys the ball. So it's it's not going to be an easy job, but I think that they have the defense. If anyone can do it, I think that they have the defensive build to do it. Get pressure on Mahomes. Make them one-dimensional with those good linebackers in front. Uh, take away the run game early. Force them to pass and then try and bracket Tyreek Hill. Uh, come down and cover uh, J, uh, Travis Kelsey as well and I think that that's a decent recipe to be able to win the game all right so as I just said you know I'm predicting the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers to come away with the win in this game and although it'll be you know crazy history for Tom Brady if he gets his Super Bowl it'll be a seventh Super Bowl ring it'll be his first on the NFC side he'll have uh, six from over on the AFC side and then he can add one potentially to the NFC side he will undoubtedly go down as the, he already will, but this will even just cement it even further uh, as being the greatest quarterback and the greatest NFL player of all time. But when we look at uh, MVP of the game, MVP of the Super Bowl is traditionally quarterback of the winning team, unless there is a you know standout player on the offense other than the quarterback, or if there's just a crazy, crazy defensive player who, who goes lights out and, uh, really contributes to the win. So when I look at my prediction for Super Bowl MVP, as I said before, defense wins championships, and I talked at length about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. So with me having them winning, my Super Bowl MVP is actually going to be Devin White. And I looked on Bet365 for a... Um, if anyone, if anyone has seen this, because I didn't see it, if anyone has seen where you can bet on Super Bowl MVPs, let me know because I want to throw a little bit of money down on Devin White. I think that he will be the Super Bowl MVP. I foresee him having one interception. Uh, let's give him one forced fumble or fumble recovery, one or the other, and maybe one and a half sacks and a few tackles, maybe a pass breakup and having good coverage, just a, a very good all-around game with two or three splash huge plays. And I think that although Tom Brady and the offense will do enough to outscore Kansas City, I think that the brightest light will shine on Devin White in the middle of that defense for doing his job and shutting down, maybe not shutting down, but limiting the Kansas City offense in every way he can. So my Super Bowl MVP pick is going to be Devin White. I think he'll get it done for that Tampa Bay defense. 
And last but not least, I'll just give a quick score prediction. So I think that this game will end up, let's say, 31-26 to 26 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your Super Bowl champions. Um, wouldn't it be something if a wildcard team is to win the Super Bowl? I have to look it up and find out when the last time that happened would be. But uh, to to go from a wildcard team who played in a total of zero home playoff games to then playing in the Super Bowl and not playing in any home playoff games, but then having a home Super Bowl in every which fashion. They're literally the home team being the NFC. They're also playing in their home stadium the first time any team has ever done that in NFL history. You know, it almost sounds too perfect to be true. And who better to be a part of one of those, you know, too good to be true stories than Tom Brady himself. Uh, One little storyline I do want to throw out as well. Tom Brady's 43. He was asked recently if he thinks he'll play past 45 or how long he'll think he'll play. And he said he thinks he he would play past 45. But here's what I'll say. I think if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win tomorrow and are crowned Super Bowl champions, Tom Brady rides off into the sunset with his seventh ring. He's got nothing left to prove. And in my opinion, all he could do at that point is really, maybe not, I wouldn't say tarnish his reputation and his legacy. But, I mean, anything past this point is just gravy. He's already done whatever he needs to do to be cemented as the greatest of all time, the GOAT of NFL football. So I think Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win 31-26. Super Bowl MVP will be Devin White. Tom Brady rides off into the sunset of retirement after this game, along with his boy Rob Gronkowski. So thank you everyone for tuning into this uh, shorter episode of the Triple S Podcast. Appreciate you guys rocking with me. If you're on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, and comment below what you thought of this episode. If you're on another platform uh, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you subscribe there as well so you never miss a beat. Enjoy the UFC fight night tonight. Enjoy the Super Bowl tomorrow. I'll see you guys next week on the Triple S Podcast. Peace. Yeah. Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick